Okay, so, um, so did you see the slab? What did you think of the slab? The slab. The slab. It's been in the news all of this week. For the last, um, the last few, we- few years, it seems to me that fre- more frequently than not, the, 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 only way, the only thing the Oscars are remembered for are for the thing that shouldn't have happened. So this, this year it was the slab. So if, you, if you're not aware of it, the Oscars last um, Sunday, a guy called Chris Rock, he's, uh, he's an American um, comedian, he was making a presentation and uh, he, uh, he made a joke at the expense of Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett, who is, suffers from alopecia, which means she doesn't have any hair. So Chris Rock made a joke about um, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith took exception to it. He was hurt on his wife's behalf and he was offended and so he got up from his seat and he walked up to the stage and he just gave Chris Rock an almighty slap round the face and then went and sat down and, uh, and then shouted at Chris Rock not to, he didn't want to hear his wife's name come out of uh, Chris Rock's mouth. He said it more colourfully than that, but that was, the, that was the gist of it. I don't want you to hear my... Um, so, but it's kind of an interesting kind of question. How would we react in that, you know, in that situation, someone who's hurt us or hurt someone we, you know, we love? What, you know, was, was the slapper, was it an appropriate, an appropriate thing to do? Is that how we would have reacted if we'd been hurt? You're like... Well, you, you're Veronica, would you? Yeah, you, you've got up and given them a good talk, wouldn't you? So, um, and, and that's kind of often our kind of instinctive reaction is to react. And I mean, it hasn't gone so well because so if you've been following the story, Will Smith has now resigned from the Academy, and there may be other other consequences. And uh, uh, Chris Rock is, a, is is on a is a stand-up tour, and his ticket sales have gone through the roof. So it's uh, so it's kind of hasn't done Chris Rock any harm at all. And uh, Will Smith is now paying the price for you know for taking revenge. So that's what we're thinking about this morning. Is it, it's it's almost human nature to want to take revenge when we're hurt and upset. But our Bible reading is saying, you know, don't do that. Uh, Paul is writing, he says, you know, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, we can't control other people's behaviour and what they do. So Paul says, as far as it depends on you. So what can you do? To live at peace with other people. Then he said, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, he will heap burning coals on his head. Don't overcome, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Dude, it sounds all very well, but how do we actually do it? Because our, our instinctive reaction when we're hurt is to want to take, is to want to take revenge, is to want to hit out. That's, that's kind of what's in it. So I remember, um, some of you know some of my story a few years ago in a former life, I was in a different church. And um, long story short, there was a misunderstanding essentially between myself and a, and a senior colleague. And the misunderstanding just... It just kind of grew and grew. It wasn't kind of nipped in the bud and, and he felt I was trying to undermine him and go behind his back, which wasn't the case at all. But it just, 
you know, I perhaps didn't deal with it in the best way. And it, it just kind of grew. And it got to the point where he felt the best thing to do would be to um, uh, stand stand in church and discipline me in front of the church and remove me from all my positions um, in the church family. So he kind of had this sort of car crash Sunday, I like to call it. And, uh, but he, he basically stood up with no... The church knew absolutely nothing about it. And, and he said... Um, uh, uh, you know, we're going to sit up there with the trustees and he said, uh, we're not going to tell you why and please don't speculate but uh, we're removing Simon from his position in the church and uh, all the things that I was doing I was removed from and I just started my 619 trust so I just kind of stepped out in faith and, uh, you know, literally two weeks before we had a big launch for the 619 trust and people were asked to sponsor it and get behind it and then we had this Sunday and, uh, and everyone was told don't support him anymore. And, uh, and, and very helpfully, uh, people were told, well, don't, um, we're reading all this stuff, don't speculate about why, but it's not sexual or financial. I thought, thanks. <laughs> Literally, the whole church is speculating. Ooh, well, what is this? What's this? What's this? Like, just, I mean, it was just bonkers, completely bonkers. And, and I was so, I was just, I was so hurt. I was so hurt. And everything in me wanted to hit back. Everything in me wanted, I mean, the thoughts that went through my, you know, the thoughts that went through my head would, you know, they were, you know, they were, they were, they weren't good. They weren't good. There were things I was going to do with a key and his car and, you know, he had a, we didn't have a dog in those days, but I thought, well, I can, you've got a letterbox, you know, just the things that go through your, you know, just being honest, those are the thoughts that go through our heads, aren't they? When we're hurt, we just think, I want to, I want to get you back. I'm so hard. I, I want to justify myself. I want to, I want to explain. You must have really wound us up for Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, it was just. No, 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 I know. Literally, it was for like years. But people were like, well, well, it must be to do that. It must be something really serious. It must be really serious. But it's not sexual. It's not financial. So literally, everyone else was like googling what else going to be. I mean, it was just. It was, I mean, it was just. It was just horrific. But, in the next few days, three times, three separate people sent me a Bible verse. They, did, they didn't kind of coordinate, there were three separate people, and they each sent me the same Bible verse, and I can't remember what it was. But, at the time, it was the same one, and basically the gist of the Bible verse was, God said, just leave this to me. Don't touch it. If you, if you do anything, you're just going to make it worse. Don't touch it, leave it to me. And it was so... You know, it was just so hard. It was just so... But the Lord just said, leave it to me and I'll sort it out. And he did. It took four years, but four years later, this colleague stood up in front of the church and apologised. And, and it was all sorted. And we're, you know, we're, we're friends and I get on really well. And, you know, the Lord sorted it out. But my instinctive reaction was, I want to, I want to take revenge. And that's what we're like. Our human nature is like that. And it's really difficult to, you know, to do something different. But Paul says, don't take revenge. Why does he say that? He says, leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God's wrath. In other words, God will sort, whatever it is, God will sort it out. Don't make it worse by taking revenge. Now this is not about, he's not saying don't look for justice. He's not saying don't seek justice. God is a God of justice. He's not saying don't look for justice. He's saying don't repay anyone evil for evil. That will make it worse. 
You can look for justice. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. Now we need to think a bit about, well, well, what is God's wrath? We need to kind of understand what that is. Because Paul is saying, you know, God is a God of justice. He'll sort it out. Leave it to him. And at the beginning of Romans, Paul says, we don't like talking much about the wrath of God. We like talking about the love of God, because that's much more cosy and comfortable, isn't it? But um, we have to teach the whole gospel. And at the beginning of Romans, he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them. So, so the reason Paul writes this letter is because he says, look, the wrath of God is coming and you need to do something about it. But what is the wrath of God? Well, I don't know what comes to mind when you think about wrath, but when I think about it, I think about... Uh, the, the image that comes to mind is, is basically someone who's like flown off the handle. You know, someone who's just completely lost it, and it's just this kind of fury, and, um, and it's not very nice. And uh, I, 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 was, I was kind of re- reflecting and thinking back, and, um, you know, I've, I try and be a good dad, but I'm not a perfect dad, and my children, over, over the years, not so much now, hopefully, but when they were, you know, every now and again, they would experience the wrath of dad. Um, Esther once wrote a poem comparing me to a bear. And, uh, and, and in this poem, she said, sometimes he explodes, but then he calms down again very quickly. So they kind of um, experienced, I remember one, I think I've probably told you this story before years ago when we were in Ardingai, there was one Sunday when the kids were little and Sarah was away that Sunday and I had to get them all ready and take them over to church and I was leaving the service and quarter past ten, I had to be over at half ten, quarter past ten, they all, they're all stood in the hallway and, I, and I, I think I said to, I think it was Joel, he was like, about this time, I said, can you just go to the loo before we go over? And he just looked at me and he said, no. And I was so, I was so tired and I was so stressed and I just had to get them over to church. I've got this blooming service to leave. And he just, no. And he experienced the wrath of dad. Because I I was literally foaming at the mouth. I was so cross. And then 15 minutes later, I'm in church in my rows going, the Lord is here. The Spirit is with us. Be still and know. All that. But God's, the thing with God is, and God's wrath, God, he gets angry about the things that we get angry about, but not in the way that we get angry. God's wrath is not this kind of view, it's his settled view against stuff that spoils. It's his settled, determined view against evil that ruins ruins creation. Uh, Back in uh, the beginning of Romans 1, Paul kind of writes a description about the stuff that we experience in the world. Now, I'm just going to read this list and just think, would the world be a nicer place to live without this stuff? Envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, um, God-hatred, insolent, arrogant, boastful, uh, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, would the world be a nicer place without all of that stuff? Probably would, wouldn't it? Well, that's the stuff that God's wrath is, is coming against. Because all of that stuff, it, it ruins. It ruins our lives, it ruins relationships, it ruins our world. You know, you just, you know, you watch the news every day and that's the stuff that we see and it's ruining, our, ruining and spoiling our world. And that's what God's wrath is coming against. So Paul says, don't take revenge, because... God is, God, you know, God is on this. 
God is on this. God is not ignoring this. God is going to sort it all out. But leave room for him to do it. The problem, of course, is, is, is where does all this stuff come from? And um, Mark writes in, in his Gospel, Mark records that Jesus says on one occasion when he's talking to people about well, all of this horrible stuff, where does it come from? And Jesus says, well, actually, it comes out of your heart. All this stuff that you want to, the world to be rid of, it's not just out there, it's in here. He says, it's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. For from within, out of your hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All this stuff that we think, well, the world will be a much nicer place without all of this stuff. Well, it's not just, it's not just out there. It's in here. So if we're to do anything about um, Paul's instruction not to take revenge and leave room for God's... It's a real challenge because it doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally to us because there's all this stuff in us and part of that is when someone hurts us, as as Freddie so eloquently put it, we want to punch them in the face because that's the way our kind of fallen hearts are wired. So let's look at the example that we're set uh, by Jesus. Because in our Christian lives, we want to become more and more Christ-like. That's the example. Jesus lives the perfect human life. So if we want an example of how to do this stuff, Jesus sets the example. And uh, in in John's Gospel, chapter 19, uh, John gives us this sort of description of what happened to Jesus. We'll be thinking about this um, next week on Good Friday. But let me just remind you of this. The beginning of John chapter 19. Uh, Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Had him flogged. 39 lashes with a whip studded with um, bits of stone and bits of flint. 39 times. At the end of that, uh, Jesus would have been barely alive. Uh, his back would have been ribbons. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, each thorn two or three inches long, sharp, pointy, jammed down onto his head, clothed him in a purple robe, went up to him again and again, then mocking him, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. That's what Jesus gets. And there are lots of accounts of, um, in the ancient world of people who are kind of um, killed in this way. And the accounts record that when they're in this position... They are hurling insults at their oppressors and their persecutors. And with their dying breath, they are calling down curses on those who are killing them. But Jesus is in this position. And what he does, we know from Luke's Gospel, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Simon Peter, who was there and who was a witness to Jesus' crucifixion, writes a couple of letters that are recorded in the New Testament. In his first letter, he, he writes about what he saw in Jesus when he was on the cross. And he says to the people he's writing to, you should follow Jesus' example because he suffered for you, leaving you an example. When they hurled their insults at him, He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Jesus didn't retaliate. He made no threats. He didn't call down curses from heaven. What did he do? Well, Peter records, instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. 
He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See, Jesus knew that his father would sort everything out. Jesus knew that his father was bigger than his circumstances. Jesus knew that his father would not let wickedness go unpunished. Jesus knew that his father would not let evil go unpunished. He knew that God, his father, was a God of justice. And all he had to do was entrust himself. So, it's not easy, but when we're hurt, when we're wounded, when we're offended, rather than take revenge, we can do the same thing. We can entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. So we can seek justice without having to seek revenge. Seeking justice is good. It's what we should do if we're made in the image of God. It's the seeking revenge that spoils and makes things worse. How do we do it? At the beginning of um, chapter 12 of Romans, which we've been looking at over these last few weeks, the first thing that, one of the first things that Paul says is, he says, he says, don't be like the world. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't seek revenge. That's what the world does and it makes things worse. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, you kind of you need to think differently, you need to act differently, you need to behave differently. If our human nature without God causes us to seek revenge when we are hurt, then we need a new nature. If we're not to live like that. We need a different way of being human. Well, how do we find a different way of being human? Well, Peter says it in, this, um, in these verses. It's from the end of chapter 2 of um, 1 Peter. After he said, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly, he said, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Remember, Jesus says in Mark's Gospel, all this horrible stuff that we don't like in the world, it comes out of our hearts. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that sin? That's what it is. Well, Peter says, well, what Jesus did on the cross was he took all of that stuff, all of that evil and wrongdoing and adultery and lewdness and all of that stuff, Jesus took it on the cross and dealt with it once and for all, paid the price. He died to sins for us, for our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to all of that stuff and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. How do, you, how do you learn not to take revenge? Well, it's by having your own broken heart healed by the love and the mercy of God so that you can live differently. Peter ends, he says, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your sons. Not taking revenge is not easy. But it's possible when we come to the one who judges justly and we surrender our lives to him and we allow him to forgive us and to cleanse us and to give us a new nature that is like the nature of Christ. And then we can live differently. Then we can seek justice without seeking revenge. So I want to take um, just a moment for us this morning to... Because I know sometimes we, when we have those thoughts of revenge, we may not act on them, but we entertain them in our minds. So I can guarantee 
that everyone in this room has got someone who's hurt you or upset you and just almost instinctively you've kind of had that thought of I, I want to I do so, I want them to pay. I want to do, and you may have entertained your thought, things, you know, like, I, you know, what you might, you do. So you may not actually have done it, but maybe in your head you're kind of, you're kind of enjoying the thought of how you would make them pay. And um, so I'm just going to take a moment for us to just to kind of turn from that and to entrust ourselves to him who judges justly and to leave room for God's wrath because God will sort it out. may not be in our timing, but he will sort it out. We don't have to take revenge. We don't have to hit back. We can entrust ourselves to God. So let's take... Just take a few moments and um, maybe that we need to say sorry. First of all, we need to say, Lord, I'm really sorry that I've been entertaining thoughts of revenge.